Hello, this is Ken, your RV navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're most definitely not talking to you from our at-home studio because we are 1,400 feet... Under the water. Below sea level. Under the water. Not under the water. (laughs) We are talking to you from the Jordan River uh, in Jordan on the banks of the Dead Sea, a place I've always wanted to visit. I think so. I think everybody's heard about the Dead Sea. And it is the lowest place on earth, as she said, 1,400 feet below sea level. And it is a place to recreate. There are lots of nice resorts here. But no campgrounds. Uh, sorry, folks. Uh, this month we are not going to be talking a lot about RVing because in the middle of the month we left for this trip to the Israel, Palestine, Jordan, Egypt, in Egypt, and a little bit of cruising in between. So we have been consumed with this, and we are as loyal podcast creators. We are talking to you from our hotel room, well, on the Dead Sea. We snuck into dinner half an hour early oh. so we could sneak back out. And- well, that was get a major started. sacrifice. <laughs> I'm talking to you because time... Having dinner early. <laughs> time is precious when you're on a tour like Oh, this. yes. But, of course, it because it's winter here, too, it gets dark nice and early. So uh, we are also speaking to you uh, on our new microphone setup. I had numerous complaints, and, of course, we always listen to our listener complaints about the fact that when we recorded on the road, the stereo effect was very dramatic because Martha was using one microphone and I was using another, and so it was... Total Ken on the left and total Martha on the right. And never the twain t- show me. <laughs> I can see your heads bouncing back and forth. And I had a hard time, frankly, recording in mono. It's just something that uh, computers don't do much anymore. I had a hard time finding software that would record in mono. So I just bought a twin mono microphones. So you're hearing us both on both channels full time. Hope you're happy. <laughs> we aim to please. This trip has been a very novel experience for yes. us in a number of ways. As those of you have, who have listened for any time at all know, uh, we are avid travelers, and we've done a lot of touring in fairly exotic parts of the world. But we have never taken a tour quite like this one no. because it's so heavy with politics. And, of course, we have everybody follows what's going on in the Middle East, and we've tried to come to the Middle East uh, at least twice before, once on a cruise, and they had to cancel the port because of uh, danger they felt and i mean this happens uh, on cruises but uh this part of the world is uh, especially volatile and we have finally made it here even though just before we left we were afraid that we were going to be canceled again because we heard that there were missiles being slung back and forth between the gaza strip and israel Another issue here is the undefined borders between Israel and the Palestinian Authority-controlled area. And one of the spots we visited was one of the 400-some illegal territorial settlements. Illegal? Well, they used to be. Why were they illegal? Because they are Israeli people living in Palestinian-controlled lands. And who's to say if they're illegal? (laughs) 
<laughs> the Palestinians think so. No, the UN said that. Yes, that too. Since we have been here, the President of the United States has decided that these settlements are no longer illegal, even though the UN going said that they were. The uh, so we read today that there were going to be some extensive protests in the Palestinian controlled areas. They were calling it the Day of Rage, and we thought, oh, good, here we are for more fun and excitement. But as is often the case, when you are traveling somewhere, it's better to be uninformed because we would have had no way of even knowing that this was going on today. Well, violence is often very specific (laughs) and in a very small geographic area. And we've had riots in Chicago, and it hasn't interrupted our daily lives or the lives of Chicagoans very much at all. We've been to many places in the world that have been quote-unquote hot spots, but that doesn't impact tourism as a rule, except maybe Egypt. When they were blowing up tourists. But it doesn't usually impact the tourism trade. Or, you know, you get five miles away and it's all You don't know what's happening. Yeah, there's nothing going on. So that's kind of our take on world violence. (laughs) So even though I consider myself well-read, it's clear to me that I was pretty naive about how a lot of things work around here. Starting with the fact that we came to our tour a day before the tour began, which meant that we had to get ourselves from the airport to the hotel. So we landed in Israel and we had to go to Palestine. Palestine. And we've done this many times, but as we surfed around for our favorite websites to line up some kind of a ride from the airport, we found that there was nobody who could or would want to take us on this little trip. It was an hour 20, ride at the most. Yeah, 20 miles. Because cars that have license plates on them for Israel are not supposed to go to Palestine, Palestine and vice versa is also true. And it's not exactly a border, but it's a checkpoint. Yeah, that's a better um, way to call it. Because the Palestine is not really its own country. It's actually a territory that is controlled by Israel. So it's all Israeli, but the Palestinians are not allowed to anyway. It's a lot of detail. So so normally what people do is they get a taxi from the airport to the checkpoint, and then they get a different taxi at the checkpoint to take them the rest of the way. And just this little inconvenience that we had to go through in our jet lag state is how the residents of all these countries spend their time every day. It's massively inconvenient, often quite frightening. You just don't appreciate it when you read about it in the paper, what it's like to live here uh, with no end in sight to the acrimony between these countries. I think this brings to the forefront exactly why we travel, whether it's in the RV or whether it's uh, overseas. You know, you, you don't understand the beauty of the national parks unless you go there and stand at the rim of the Grand Canyon. You just cannot convey it with words or or pictures, really. You have to go there and stand and look at it. And the same thing is here in the Middle East. You, I don't know. I, I have heard my whole life about the, it seems like my whole life, well, yeah. Israel was formed in it, 1948. So Israel is much. as old as I am. Oh. It's a young country. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Countries live to be hundreds of years old. Well, this one hasn't. <laughs> All right. So you have to go there to, to see how these things actually work. And boy, have we learned a lot from our firsthand experience here. Now, from now on, I will understand in a much more clear way exactly why the Palestinians and the Israelis are at such odds. And I cannot explain it here. It's too but complicated. It's because it, uh, I, I'm here. I've talked to the people, and I have no skin in the game. So I don't really uh, 
have a sense about being Israeli or being Palestinian and which one is right. We've certainly heard both sides of the story, and it's very difficult to and make both a sides determination. Have valid and points. there's really no easy answer. And, and I give them a lot of credit for sticking it out and trying to come up with some, some answers. But for a tourist... Uh, trying to go on tour to see the sites of these countries, which are mainly religious-type sites. We first went to Palestine for five days. We had a guide. From Palestine. From Palestine. We had a guide. We had a bus. We drove around, saw the sites. But there were certain places that were very close that we couldn't go to because they were in Israel. We took a trip around Jerusalem rather than through Jerusalem, making um, a half-hour trip, a two-hour trip, because our Palestinian bus and the Palestinian driver and the Palestinian guide couldn't go through Jerusalem. We could, but but the bus and the tour guide couldn't. And this is how they live their lives every day. And on most of the kinds of trips that we take as travelers, uh, with overseas adventure travel in this case, we have one guide for pretty much the entire tour. But because of the politics, every time we switch countries on this tour, we also switch buses, we also switch drivers, we also switch tour guides. Um, It's like isolated experiences. Very much so. And the guides cannot go into the other country. It's not like it's because Oates says uh, we want a guide from the local country. Even if that one guide wanted to guide us throughout the whole trip, they couldn't because they're not allowed to go into some of the areas that that we've been to. So we go to Palestine and we take a bus to the border with Israel. We switch buses. We get a new guide. We go into Israel for five days. We go around Tel Aviv seeing all the sites. And then our Israeli guide takes us to the border with Jordan. But she can't go in. But she can't go through that border. And we take the luggage off the bus. We go through a 10-mile or a 5-mile no-man's land, which is something else you don't see very often between countries. And then we come to the Jordanian border, and we go through the Jordanian passport, blah, blah, blah. Which really is another country. Which really is another country, right? And we get a Jordanian guide. (laughs) And a Jordanian bus for this group of people. So we've just never had quite that kind of even you know even in Europe when we used to travel when there were borders before there was EU. Yeah, both of the controls would be at the same place, and you go through the the passport control, and you drive your car, and it would just be no problem. We had to rent a car, obviously, but we could travel between the countries without really much rigmarole. And this took hmm, over an hour. Easy. And the cruise we're going to take uh, for the final leg of the trip goes between Egypt and Israel, and it sounds to me like we have to switch tour guides in the middle of the cruise. No, I think we get them at the beginning of the cruise. No, but the in Haifa, we're back in Israel. And yeah, she well, gets the, on the oh, boat. At the end. Yeah, yeah, she the, gets on the boat at the in end Haifa. of the cruise. Yeah, but I mean, when we get yeah. on. What a so mess. we leave our Jordanian what a mess. tour guide. And the cruise, when we start the cruise. Anyway, we've enjoyed the, the trip so far. We're about half done. And, you know, the the Dead Sea is someplace we've wanted to go. I think everybody has heard about the Dead Sea. It's just it's, really it's world weird. famous and definitely a world-class sight to see. The Dead Sea is about uh, 10 miles across and about mm, 25 miles long. long. And 900 feet deep. 900 feet. It's a very and odd shape. It only has the Jordan River flowing into it, so it, it has no outlets. 
planets, and that's, of course, what makes it the Dead Sea, because it's the lowest place, nothing, nothing can flow out of it. But it looks like a regular lake, although in the time that we've been here, there have been virtually no waves on it. We still have vivid memories of a time when we were in Kenya, and we stood on a balcony overlooking the Great Rift Valley, ah. and it was very clear to see what was causing the rift was the tectonic plates that were ripping the two parts of Africa apart. And I never dreamed that that same tectonic ripping of plates was also going on up here. And that's what's causing the Red Sea. And on the um, Israel side, the land is fairly low and flat. And on the Jordan side, the land is much more mountainous. And now we're thinking we saw the same thing when we were in Iceland, because there was a rift up there, too. You never imagine when you're in the middle of the continental U.S. where we live, that there are all these plates boogieing around the globe. It's Boogie, just, boogieing. It's just fascinating to think about. <laughs> well, a quarter of an inch a year or something ridiculously <laughs> short. But yes, but yes, it's uh, over the millenniums. It has obviously caused some problems. Uh, and that's what causes this. And it's interesting to drive along. And, and this is land that you just say, why would anybody bother to live here? Frankly, it's in a desert, and uh, it's not a sand desert, but a, but kind of a just white desert. You drive down, and all of a sudden, there's a sign on the on the side of the road that says sea level. And then you keep driving and down keep and driving, driving down and driving down. Down, down, down. 1,400 feet below sea level is a, a long lot. way to go. I mean, that's that's fairly high. So today we went to Amman, which was at 3,000 feet high. And so even though it was 3,000 feet high, because we were going down to a 1,400 feet below sea level, that was a total 4,500 feet in terms of elevation. And only about 25 miles. So it wasn't very far at all. Her ears were popping. Yes. I want to say a few things about what it's like to actually try to swim in the Dead Sea. Uh, The Dead Sea is eight and a half times as salty as the ocean. And that means that the moves you normally make when you go swimming are totally (laughs) inappropriate because you quickly lose your center of balance. It took me a while to get myself just standing vertical. It was was almost impossible to stand up with my toes uh, down. When the water was above your waist. And it was very important not to flail around while you were trying to get your balance because the water is almost like toxic because it's so salty. And if you got a drop in your eye, you would be weeping for the next half an hour. As I found out. (laughs) Jeez. I had to test it. What a neat experience that was. The water's not thick. I mean, it it feels... It just feels like water. It feels like water. And when you step into it, it doesn't... There's no real sensation that you're in anything other than regular water. But when you step and go further in <laughs> you don't go down my feet i literally after i got to my waist my feet just kind of floated up and i'm floating on my back without uh, without any sort of movement on my part i just sat there i just floated on my back which was pretty unusual and of course the other thing people do here is scoop up the mud that's at the bottom of the sea and smear it all over themselves in an effort to beautify or rejuvenate which we didn't even bother trying to do we did do that and you know (laughs) we waited our whole lives to swim in the dead sea and then we spent about 15 minutes in it (laughs) but the resort here has very nice freshwater pools and so 
we got ourselves put back to normal in normal water. And because it is the beginning of the winter, when you go higher up in elevation, you at least have to wear a light jacket around here, if not more. And this is an area where Europeans and people all over the world come and warm up. So there are many resorts on both sides of the Dead Sea where people come and swim and lay in the sun and their palm trees. And but they don't go in the Dead Sea very much. And it's, it's kind of a California, Florida kind of experience. Yeah, I think it's got a big draw, and this is a very nice resort with lots of other things to do besides imbibe in the in the Dead Sea. You certainly wouldn't drink the water. And there's no boating. Or that nothing lives in the Dead Sea, so the water is, the surface is completely boatless. There are no marinas, so it's really the Dead Sea. And when they say Dead Sea, I don't know, it's someplace to go. I think last month we mentioned to you that we were about to make this journey, and we were just shocked when we got an email from a local listener who lives in the Tel Aviv area. Um, who said he had been listening to our podcast for, for about 10, 10 years, years and asked if we had time for a meetup. We, of course, had time for a meetup. What a thrill that was to have the idea that people in Israel are listening to us where you can't even go camping. I know. It's unbelievable. So, so we met this charming couple, had dinner together. It was very easy to talk with them for about three hours. We had so many travel experiences to talk about. Yeah. And I think they have visions of one day coming to the U.S. and renting an RV or buying an RV and seeing our country properly as RVers do. So we really are feeling more and more like we have friends around the world. In touch with our listeners. And this is, you know, I, I look at the downloads every month. We have about 15,000 downloads every month. And I wonder who, who is are those listening. People? Who are those people? And are they really listening to the podcast? And you, you wonder if our voices are being heard outside of our computers. <laughs> And I guess they are because people actually contact us and ask questions and, and want to come and, and meet and greet. Uh, it's it's a real shocker of an experience. And a, I'd say a very 21st century experience. I mean, when we started this podcast, there was no... We had to keep explaining to people what a podcast was. <laughs> Having a, a, a listenership from around the world is really exciting. And so, we've certainly met a lot of, of lovely people in our country who have told us lots of things about places to go and things to see uh, yeah and to have friends and that, uh, over here doing the same that, thing you, know, you kind of expected just, it in the united states but wow it was mind-boggling as we mentioned we really enjoy traveling with oat because they are a company which has uh, a style of travel which is uh, very much in line with the way we like to travel um, one of the things that they do is insist that their guides talk about controversial topics. And are there a lot of controversial yes, topics? Yes, and our guides here? have been very forth because they talk about these controversial topics that uh, I think other people kind of avoid. And in this area, as Martha mentioned, this is a, uh, a place with lots of controversial. The trip we're going on here is basically non religious. Uh, a lot of people come to the Middle East and to Israel and to Jerusalem and to Bethlehem and the places we've been. Because they are going on a religious pilgrimage. We are looking at it more as a political trip uh, to learn about the controversies that surround the Middle East and, and 
possible solutions. And the guides that we've had have been very forthcoming about explaining their country's point of view. And, of course, we go to Palestine, we hear a guide there, and then we go to Tel Aviv in Israel, and we hear the guide there who has a very different point point of view. And because we have no skin in the game, we can kind of make a decision on how we feel about it uh, based on who's most reliable, I guess, or something. But I also want to add that even though these people are obviously biased toward their own countries, they try very hard to present an even-handed uh, uh-huh. accounting of the problems they're discussing and in many cases are able to quite articulately talk about, this is what I think, but I know the other people on the other side of the border are thinking blah, blah, blah. And and they know. They know each other. They know the problems. They know all the things that They've have been the phone. tried over the years that haven't worked. I would say there's a big difference between people as people and politicians whose trust levels are way down low. That's right. While we've been here, yes. um, Netanyahu and Israel has Ugh. also been accused of malfeasance, and, and that's causing a local brouhaha as well. It's just like there's never a dull moment around here, that's for sure. And I also want to say that even when we have been in parts of the world like Palestine where you assume that they don't like the United States very much because we are never on their side, uh, when you meet with local people, they couldn't be friendlier or nicer. It's really heartwarming that everybody in the world understands that there's a huge difference between the politicians and the civilians. And so we're having actually three interesting points of view so far. We've had the Palestinian guide tell us their point of view, and then we have the Israeli guide telling us her point of view, and then now we're in Jordan, which is a country which is kind of halfway in between uh, and has pretty good relations with both sides, but uh, is kind of... Is an Arab country. Is an Arab country, and they have Saudi Arabia and other countries that are kind of breathing down their necks. And to hear the stories uh, that their guides had, their guide has to say. So uh, we can strongly recommend this uh, approach. We also like the fact that uh, small groups are an essential component to getting to know these people. So we have a group of about 20. The guides can get to know your name and they know who you are and you can ask them questions. <laughs> Our guide yesterday introduced us to his mother and she talked about uh, the role of women the in role Jordan. of women in Jordan, which was very interesting. I think one of the things that shocked me the most was is that an engagement is just like getting married and that it's a civil document that you signed to get engaged. It's, it's like all the formality of a courthouse wedding without the party and the hoo-ha. <laughs> they save that for the wedding. Anyway, uh, women in, in Jordan, I think, are changing dramatically, but they still have arranged marriages for the most part, it sounded like. Well, not the way the Indians do it. Certainly well, a great deal of family involvement in the choice of the appropriate partner for you. Yes. Uh, so call it what you will, but that's an arranged marriage. But you do have a, a, a veto power there, I guess. We can uh, strongly recommend this company as uh, somebody who gives you a, a lot of value for the money, I think. You know, we, we're staying in some nice hotels, and it's a quality operation all the way around. And we've traveled with them before, but uh, we'll reiterate it once again. We're traveling really late in the, in the season this year, uh, and unusually late because of the when the trip was scheduled, but... We're missing Thanksgiving. We're going to be we eating. missed Thanksgiving. We're going to be eating couscous and pomegranates. We have, we have been home with the family if on Thanksgiving. Forever. We're having what? Couscous and pomegranates. <laughs> 
Oh, very tasty. And date palms. Dates. We haven't uh, missed a Thanksgiving with the family in, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 years, something More like that. that. And so we are uh, away from uh, the United States uh, on Thanksgiving, but... <sighs> Somebody has to do it. Somebody has to go on these tours, and, 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 and unfortunately, it's us this time. And while we're not well informed at the moment, it sounds like we're missing some bodacious Ooh, storms yes. as people are traveling back and forth for the Thanksgiving holiday. We hope that you had a good one and enjoyed the time with your family and friends. And The and weather your, was okay. And your RV didn't get stuck in a ditch somewhere. Oh, I dread us. We have to drive down to Florida in After January. Christmas. Who so, planned this? Who planned this, yes. Well, I'm, I'm freezing out our RV back at home, although it hasn't been all that cold. Well, speaking of Christmas, I know that you Christmas. have solicited our listeners for some suggestions for Christmas gifts. Well, on our last podcast, I asked for suggestions about uh, things that... <laughs> Presents for our viewers. <laughs> and some of them are pretty funny. Some of them are kind of disgusting. <laughs> Thank you, listeners. So I put it up on the Facebook page, and if you want to see these products, you can go to the RV Navigator Facebook page and see the list. So at the top of the list is actually something that uh, is pretty interesting, and that would be to get a nice RV welcome mat. Uh, we always put a welcome mat. Well, we put a mat out to keep the dirt and crappy up, the dirt and stuff out from our RV. Uh, and, I, and I know some of our snazzier Numara friends get custom designs designed rugs that go around the oh, driver and the passenger yeah. side that say Newmar. We don't have that either. And our friend Al in Australia got a nice one from his uh, son. And that w- that's a nice idea for your RV. Uh, I hope you have time to get that. Now, number two is Johnny Chalk. <laughs> I've never heard of this before. <laughs> Put a bow on it. They were nice enough to put a link to the Johnny Chuck. That's J O H N N Y, Johnny Chuck, C H O C K. And this is a device that helps you in your black tank cleaning. We don't often like to, especially at Christmas time, I could see somebody opening this up as Under a present and saying, Whoa, just exactly what I wanted a Johnny Chuck. <laughs> but it is a helpful idea. For cleaning out your black tank. Yeah. This is a little, uh, a very inexpensive gadget, and I think it would be kind of a funny thing to give an RVer. But it does have a use because you take it and you put it down the toilet hole in the bathroom, and it holds the valve open so, you, so that you can put a wand down there to spray out the poop that's in the tank. And you know from past listening to this sh- this show that I love... You have fun with poop. We seem to talk about it a lot, don't we? And here, we even have a Christmas present for it. Oh. Moving on. Moving on. Leveler chocks for the wheels to help in the leveling process. This yep. is especially important for our trailer friends, right? For our trailer friends, right. Well, a fifth wheelers and trailers. So he says these are very easy to use, and it's a nice set. So uh, that looks like something that would be nice having. Uh, this is a two-piece set. And I've included the, the link Amazon links on the webpage, I hope. A membership to Passport America or Harvest Host, which I think we talked about last month. Yes. Uh, so Passport America is about $40 and Harvest Host is about 70, 70. Mm-hmm. So either one of those would be good. And Harvest uh, Passport America gives you 50% discount at a wide range of campgrounds that are uh, kind of in off-season. 
nationwide. Nationwide, right. So that's actually the best of the campground discount plans to me. For us. Yeah. I think we all use lighters for one thing or another. Sometimes you have to light your stove or your uh, hot water heater or your campfire outside. And this listener recommends that you buy a USB rechargeable plasma lighter. Have you ever seen that? Uh, No. Well, maybe you need one in your stocking. Even though we have nothing much left to light anymore. Well, but I think it's Campfire, plasma maybe. sounds like something I need. Something you need, yes. <laughs> can strongly recommend that you go there and look at those. But uh, if that's not enough, uh, one of our listeners sent us a link to the 55 best gifts for RV owners and the new list for 2020 with the cost. cost. So you might want to click on that link and take a look at all 55 of the other possible tips for buying gifts for your RV friends. And maybe you should buy somebody a SIM card for Google Fi. Guess what? You have one. No. Guess what? What? You don't have to buy it. It's free. Oh. So on this trip, I have put the Google Fi, and that's Google, the word, F-I. And Google has uh, partnered with carriers from around the world to provide worldwide phone service. And so I bought this, this Google Fi, and for 20 bucks a month, you get unlimited phone and texts. And, and, and by the way, this is also something that's viable in the United States. Uh, you might want to think about this. I hadn't really considered this before, but the data plan is... And this sounds expensive, $10 per gigabyte, which is kind of above the norm these days. But it's capped at 6 gigabytes. And I don't mean capped. I mean the price is capped. So that after 6 gigabytes, (laughs) and this is hard to say, after 6 gigabytes, it's free. Wow. All the rest of the data that you want to use. And I was doing some research on this, and people said they were using 100 or 200 gigabytes. And and it was only costing them $60 a month. Per month. So it's a monthly data. And you can turn this on and off. You can use it in a wide variety of different phones. So... We are using it uh, here overseas because it has connectivity for over 200 countries, which seemed like a good idea to me. Well, I hate to go around in, in each country buy a SIM, and then you go to the, you go to Jordan and you have to buy another SIM, and you go to Egypt and you have to buy another SIM. And there's there's some crossover when you go to Europe and places that uh, SIMs are more universal, but it's still kind of a hassle. And to have one card that you drop in, and when you leave, you you turn on the Google Fi and it works and you always have the same number then too and of course the number we have is a US number but it will stay the same and of course it's different than my regular number my Verizon number but still I can use it uh, any place and I pay the $10 a gig up until 6 gigabytes which is uh, I think pretty reasonable I I don't anticipate using anywhere near 6 gigabytes but for a plan like this that has worldwide capabilities and it has worked in Palestine 
Israel and Jordan so far. So I even get spam calls from Chicago. How lucky you are. I think my number must have been used by somebody else. I've gotten a bunch of calls. And I have to add that it's rather ironic as we're talking about data usage that we are finding (laughs) that more and more of our tour buses have Wi-Fi on the bus. On the bus. And it's excellent. And in the case of where we are at the moment here on the Dead Sea, (laughs) the bus Wi-Fi is better than the hotel Wi-Fi. I tell you, Wi-Fi is a constantly changing uh, hard to stay on top of technology at at places we go to one hotel and the and the wi-fi is like it blasts through the wall and you go to another one like this one and you you get this little trickle like you used to get on cruise ships it has improved dramatically and now we get it on the bus and the buses wi-fi is better than uh than in the hotel. Who would have ever thought that that was possible? And of course, if you want to use the cellular, it's probably just as good too. Uh, But why not use somebody else's free? Uh, And while we're here, we're using a VPN. Virtual private network. (gasps) Oh my God. I'm good at words. I just don't always know what they mean. So a virtual private network, a VPN, is software uh, most of the time that you install. I've talked about this before, but we are reiterating once again that in this part of the world that safety of your data is crucial. And I'm using a product called iVPN. And the nice thing about it is is that it's uh, one account and we install it on both of our computers and our laptops and our tablets, our iPads and our phones. So... Uh, we all can use the iVPN, the VPN software, and it provides a tunnel back to a server so that you're completely anonymous and nobody can get your data. Good for banking while you're online? Right, if you're on any sort of uh, public network like the – and uh, we're kind of surprised that even here in the hotels that they have not had any passwords right. controlling it right. so that uh, anybody can spy on your network. And so if you use the VPN, then your data is secure all the way back. And you can spoof whether you're in the United States or not so that you could use Netflix or something on your U.S. account even though you're overseas. So I suggest that you take a look at, before you travel at getting a VPN for your... And it's, it's inexpensive for all of your devices or one account so that you can use it on all of your devices. So what's new in the RV world? How about an electric motorhome? No way. Ah! Well, I've been surprised that... Uh, this new Tesla truck goes 400 miles on a set of batteries. And why can't you do that with a motorhome? Well, uh, there's a company that in Europe that has actually put together a EV electric motorhome, and it might just be possible. And maybe we'll see something like that in our future. Except it goes 124 miles between charges. Well, that's just now. Yeah. I mean, the cars started out with electric cars, and they were about 125 miles, and now they're up to over 300. So, and if this truck that Tesla's bringing out course it was kind of a disaster the rollout but <laughs> well, it's it's a tricky thing to it's do a tr- yes but if that truck is uh viable and it gets 400 miles to the uh, it's still charging i still yeah, have the, the time problem. spent charging but an all electric rv would be kind of cool to have and you'd have solar panels on the top that would charge it as you drive fantasy <laughs> oh. is that on your christmas list she knows the technology enough yes i might on my christmas list <laughs> Well, this is uh, the December podcast, so our next one will be 
our fabulous New Year's Eve podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> and we will be back in the warm weather. We hope. We hope. Uh, assuming the RV works perfectly and starts up after having been sitting for a few months. We did kill just a few mice in Ooh, it while it's been sitting before yes, we left. Yes, that was bad news. A few mice in the old RV. But I remember, would- I brought it home. To be frozen and to get rid of the bugs and stuff. And I always forget two or three things that we have to go back and get out again. And in the course of doing that, he had left <laughs> some peanut butter-laden traps. And lo and behold, there were little critters in there. So that made us... Everybody asks how to get rid of mice. It's the best not... way to get rid of mice is with a mouse trap. <laughs> Don't, to heck with the, with the tablets and the Irish spring soap and all that junk. Just put mouse traps on it. <laughs> They're very effective. So I just put mouse traps, set mouse traps until there were no more mice. We hope. We'll see if <laughs> they can't some... resist. We'll I mean, there's if... no other food. It, so... We'll see if there's some waiting for us when we come back. Well, then they're new, so I hope they didn't get in. So I hope you haven't had too many problems with your winter RVing experiences. Um, but we'll talk to you more in January. Uh, with... When we'll be back on the RV page. Yeah, we'll be back in the RV and. Christmas will be over, and I will have my new Johnny Johnny Choco. What was it? Johnny Chalk. <laughs> and I will be telling you fabulous stories about how I cleaned out my toilet. <laughs> and, how many, and how many mice we found in, in our mobile. Oh, I'm sure our listeners are dying to hear about Lots of cleaning out to our toilet. To. So from the Dead Sea, to, to we've you. got live, we've got live RV navigators ready to chat with you. Wishing you happy holidays, and we'll talk to you and buy next those Christmas year. Or, next year. Well, on the first of January. Yeah. We will be talking to you in 2021. Wow. No, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> We're slightly confused because we've already booked. Travel plans all the way through 2020, so we're thinking about 21 now, but it's only 2020. Okay, so thank you for listening. Keep in touch. We'd love to have dinner with you. Wherever you are. Wherever you are in the world. Just let us know and we'll be there. (laughs) No, but if we're traveling through your area, let us know. So that's about it for now. We will sign off and see you in the new year. Happy travels. Bye now. Bye now.